0: Welcome to Pillar and Ground podcast. I'm Brian Salter, lead pastor at LMPC. Pillar and Ground is a podcast for the LMPC family so that we may deepen in our knowledge of the ground on which we stand and increase our connection with whom we stand together in community and mission. Pillar and Ground features three different types of episodes. Pillar and Ground, our confession of faith. Pillar and Ground, our connections. Pillar and Ground, our questions. This episode is a Pillar and Ground Confession of Faith episode where we seek to further understand and apply the truths in our confession of faith. Today we are looking in the Westminster Confession of Faith at chapter 1.4 and 1.5. The topic and subject of these two sections of the opening chapter of the Confession is the assurance of Scripture's authority. The show notes will have uh, a link to the standard, the version that we're using for the Westminster Confession of Faith, both the original version uh, and then the modern version. I'll be referring to the modern version as we study this today. But let me begin with this. There has, in the world and in history of our lives, the signature attack has been on what God says. The signature attack is on the authority of Scripture. And both one point four and one point five deal with the authority of Scripture, the source of its authority, and the signs of its authority. But as R. C. Sproul says in his work, "Truths we confess," throughout the centuries, the supreme attack of the world, flesh, and devil against godliness has been an attack on the authority of God's Word. I believe he's right. It actually began in Genesis 3 1 with four simple words. Did God really say? That verse reads Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? And from the beginning, the corruption of Satan seeks to get us to call God's authority into question by doubting what he said and doubting his goodness. The enemy seeks to distort truth. He revises and renounces God's revelation. Did God really say, you must not eat from any tree that leads Eve to then revise the truth to say, not touch in the prohibition? So he causes us to distort scripture, to twist, to renounce what we know is true, what's been revealed. In verse 4, he says, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. That's not true, but it's a convincing way of saying untruth, which is what the enemy does. And then we see in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the enemy seeks to distort the calling of Jesus by tempting him, in essence, three times to avoid the cross. But the better Adam, the second Adam, Jesus, stands upon God's Word and refutes the enemy with the Word of God. And this remains from the garden through the cross to our current moment. The supreme attack of the world, the flesh, and the devil against godliness is to attack the authority of God's Word. And thus, the Westminster Confession of Faith 1.4 and 1.5 establishes Clearly, the doctrine of the authority of Scripture, first in 1.4, it reads, The authority of the Holy Scripture, because of which it ought to be believed and obeyed, does not depend upon the testimony of any man or church, but entirely upon God, its author, who is truth itself. Therefore, it is to be received, because it is the Word of God. The supreme and absolute authority of Scripture is based entirely upon God. He is the author, and the author is God, and so that gives Scripture absolute authority. The author is the one who is described in John 1.14, "...the Word became flesh." and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And that one said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. The authority with which Jesus comes into the world and speaks is the same authority with which Scripture is given from God. And if God is the author, then he is the only authenticating authority. He is the absolute authority for Scripture's authority. 1 John 5, 9 says, we accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it's the testimony of God, which he's given about his Son. God's testimony is the Scripture itself, and thus it has authority by appealing directly to God as witness John in that epistle like Jesus overrules all human testimony and dispute 1 Thessalonians 2:13 says and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God which you heard from us you accepted it not as the word of men but as it actually is the word of God which is at work in you who believe. The word of God, though it does come through human agency as we talked about in a previous episode with organic inspiration, it is a divine message that works in believers through the Holy Spirit. At the time of the writing of the confession, human leaders had risen to levels equal to the word of God. Their opinion, their teaching and their authority were often equal or even above the word of God. But the Reformation declares that the Bible is the final authority. As the Confession of Faith and the Shorter Catechism will say, the Word of God, which is contained in the Old Testament and New Testament, is the only rule to direct us how to glorify and enjoy Him. And so, as we heard in 1 Thessalonians 2, we receive Scripture not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God. So Westminster Confession of Faith 1.4 establishes the supreme and absolute authority of Scripture, and the authenticating authority is God himself, the author. And so it leads us to depend and trust and live underneath that authority so that Paul, on the shore with the Ephesian elders in Acts 20.32, would say, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates. Even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. In other words, this is no ordinary book. This is a blade from heaven that will cut you to the core. So God, as supreme being and authority, as author of Scripture— has full and absolute right to be obeyed completely. Only the Lord has that absolute right. He cannot be questioned. His covenant transcends all other loyalties, and His authority covers all areas of life. The revelation of God is authoritative, and because of that, it challenges human autonomy. And human autonomy, with self-assertion, self-authority, and self-definition, Which is currently the supreme values of the day, is confronted directly with this doctrine of the supreme authority of the Word of God. It is a battle in our day when these two things collide human autonomy and the absolute authority of Scripture. The doctrine of the authority of Scripture is of paramount importance in certainly every cultural moment, but particularly this one, when everyone does what is right in their own eyes, as Judges repeats over and over. And then we look at 1.5, the self-authenticating assurance of Scripture's authority. The confession reads, We may be moved and induced by the testimony of the church to a high and reverent esteem for the Holy Scripture. The heavenly character of its content, here it's beginning to talk about the abundant evidence the signs of Scripture's authority, the heavenly character of its content, the efficacy of its doctrine, the majesty of its style, the agreement of all its parts, the scope of the whole, which is to give all glory to God, the full disclosure it makes of the only way of man's salvation, its many other incomparable excellencies, and its entire perfection are arguments by which it gives abundant evidence that it's the Word of God. Nevertheless, Our full persuasion and assurance of its infallible truth and divine authority, notice it's not from the evidence, it's from the inward work of the Holy Spirit bearing witness by and with the word in our hearts. Indeed, Scripture has abundant evidence for its divine authority, as the Confession notes in all its parts. John Calvin wrote of the internal indicators or evidence that the Bible is the Word of God, and that's known as the self-authentication of Scripture. The arguments of the indicators do not just hint at the divine origin of Scripture, but absolutely affirm it. Scripture evidencing itself to be the very Word of God, the evidence of divine authorship the quality, it's inherent within it. It is confirmed uh, by that evidence, but not proven by it. Uh, the authority lies in God. But there is evidence that this is a different work. And as John Murray notes of the scripture, it bears the divine imprints of God's authorship. But those imprints are not the absolute authentication of its authority. That is found in God alone, the author. And then that's why the confession says, nevertheless, our full persuasion and assurance, notice, it's not based on the evidence of the text being divine imprints. It's of its infallible truth and divine authority from the inward work of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness by and with God in our hearts. Calvin, noticing the indicators and the evidence, further noted, concerning the inward work of the Holy Spirit in 1.5, that credibility of doctrine is not established until we are persuaded beyond doubt that God is its author. Credibility of doctrine is not established until we are persuaded beyond doubt that God is its author. But then R.C. Sproul says... But a person will not be fully persuaded or assured that the Word of God is the Word of God until God the Holy Spirit does a work in his heart. The Spirit melts our hearts so that we are willing to surrender to the objective truth that is there. And thus Jesus in the upper room and that last gathering with his disciples in John sixteen thirteen through 14 would say, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. The same Spirit that helps us know Jesus as our Savior is also the one that empowers us to embrace the authority of Scripture and trust its promises. So, in summary, does final authority rest or reside in the church or in the Bible? It resides in the Bible. The Bible does not get its authority from the church. It receives its authority from God. And therefore, 1.4 in the Confession says, therefore it is to be received because it is the Word of God. It is to be received. Once again, R.C. Sproul says, the church no more gave the Bible its authority than the individual gives Christ his authority by embracing him as Lord. He is Lord. The Bible is his word. We're called to recognize and receive. That's our call. Scripture has absolute authority. By the Holy Spirit, we are called to recognize and receive. I close with Britain's most famous preacher, Charles Spurgeon. He used to liken the Bible to a lion, and he would say this, There's no need to defend a lion. You simply let it out, and it will defend itself. At the end of the day, arguments won't defend the Bible. The Bible will defend the Bible. We can argue for the Bible's consistency and historicity, but the only thing that vindicates it is God's Word is God, through the Holy Spirit, convincing us of what he has authenticated as authoritative. So I encourage us all, unleash it and read it with dependence on the Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Pillar and Ground.